Hello everybody, just a programming note. This episode was recorded before the California shelter-in-place order. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy it. And it only protects you from contracting HIV. It doesn't do anything for chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, any of the other STDs. So you still have to get screened for other STDs, treated for other STDs. And, you know, the recommendation is, I know lots of folks, you know, are like, I, I don't, I, I thought this was going to protect me from all of this. And I'm like, I'm here to tell you that it only works for HIV. That's it. Welcome to Queer Sacramento, a podcast about the lives of LGBTQ plus people, businesses, and events in and around the capital city of California, Sacramento. I'm your host, Michael Q. I am a certified and licensed massage therapist, professional stage actor, and owner of Q's Massage Studio, body positive massage therapy, right here in the Lavender Heights district of Midtown. All right, so we're here with Lawrence Lowry. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. This hey, is awesome. Thank you. Yes, I love you. And so first of all, for the world, can you let everyone know your official pronouns? Uh, my pronouns are he, him, her, hers. And can you let us know what you do for a living? Uh, I'm currently the health education supervisor at One Community Health. Okay. So Great. I supervise a really amazing team of public servants that are out there really working hard to try to keep people safe and educated around their own sort of like health conditions and you know try to ma- generally make the world a better place so i feel really honored to do that yeah that's great so can you let us know first of all if you're not from originally sacramento like where are you originally from and how long you lived in sacramento so i was uh, born in portland oregon um i moved to sacramento in 1986 and i have spent a total of 25 years living in sacramento i've moved away moved back to portland for a while and then i've lived in the bay area but now i'm back in sacramento uh since 2014. okay all right Vans. all right and so i like so first of all i want to let people know that the first time that i met you um you were I was dancing. You were dancing. You were a dancing leather Santa at the powerhouse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is a leather bar in the the Soma. Yeah, in Soma, south of Market in San Francisco. Yes. That was a. I love that bar and the people that work there. And I had a great time dancing there and I made really good money. All right. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. was just, I mean, it's its awesome. I yeah, was just I like, who that is night. this was, man? Yes. That was so fun. I remember that night when I met you because it was like, it, I knew you were coming mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, let's, let's meet this, let's meet this new friend. And I was like, hi, I'm working, but let's, let's hang out. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. It was, it was, all, I just, I had, a, I mean, yes, the powerhouse is still one of my favorite places to go. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that was fun. Yeah, those were good times. All right. Yes. You are, so I also know that you are a part of the Radical Fairies. Yeah, yeah. And so, for anyone who has no idea what that is, can you kind of describe what, who they are and, you know, where they came from? So, that's how funny, they live. It's a funny question because I think it really depends on who you ask. Um, okay. I think it depends on who you ask, and it's yeah, it's dependent on who you ask and sort of region and time, 
right? So for some right. folks, when they talk about radical fairies, you know, they're thinking about really mostly like, uh, and, and I say not in a disparaging way at all, but cis white gay men um, usually uh, trying, wanting to have some sort of spiritual experience that is outside of the normal like Christian experience. So, um, and so that tends to be a lot of the fairies that tend to be younger, but there's also a lot of folks that aren't that, mm -hmm. you know, like there's lots of, lots of women, lots of trans folks. There's a lot of people of color, at least, you know, as long as I've been involved with the fairies, I know that that is different, um, than how, when the movement started, like there were folks that there were times when there were no black people at, or any other person of color. And, you know, I, I've heard stories about the first uh, female-bodied or AFAB person that was going to gatherings at Wolf Creek and other places. And so, you know, it, it really depends on who you talk to. For me, what it has really been, it's been a very, very great opportunity to meet some amazing people. Um, almost like a fr almost like a fraternal or fraternal order or a sorority mm -hmm. where you meet sort of like-minded people you know you sort of find there's like gatherings and things and so you, you have the opportunity to like meet people that are doing sort of the same things and I I know that my first sort of landing in fairy space was when I went to Wolf Creek um, when I was moving home from Sacramento in 2005, my grandmother was passing away and so I needed to be home. Mm -hmm. And we were driving through Oregon and we, uh, it was late, it was really late. And so we were going to make a stop. Um, and my friend Crescent, who's since passed on, was driving and we were going to stop at Wolf Creek Sanctuary. And we ended up getting jackknifed in this driveway like the wrong driveway it was bad we got jackknifed in the wrong driveway in the middle of the night in this painted hippie van oh with a trailer God. on the back with like my entire life in there and we're trying to like get the truck get the van out and this man this crazy methed out man with a gun and a hammer comes up what? <laughs> and he's like you guys gotta get the fuck out of here <laughs> tearing up my driveway and so we left all of our all the all of my belongings there and everyone's stuff and so we end up walking into wolf creek in the middle of the night with like flashlights and because we had no other place to go oh we God. didn't know what else to do and uh they, the people that were there at the time you know who was there spyro was there and i think uh who was there Cobb and sada and there were some other wonderful pilot was there there were some really wonderful people there that totally like rescued us right because we yeah. had this traumatic experience and um, my girlfriend Brandy, who was also with us, she was the brave one. She's like, I'm going back up there and I'm getting that van. And so she called like the tow truck and everything. And she went back up there and she handled business. And like, I, I love her for that. But that was my first experience with actually making it to sanctuary space was it really being a sanctuary during a really hard time of life like I was dealing with the death and passing mm -hmm. and I had to deal with like some crazy like meth out redneck with a hammer and a gun while right. I'm trying to move home and to be just sort of safe with strangers right right in a rural place like I'm black and being out in rural Oregon or like just not knowing anybody is not necessarily the most comfortable thing but to be in a space where I really felt like 
fuck, these people are really actually, this is actually a cool group of folks. These are some good people, and I made really good friends. So, so for people, so you, so Wolf Creek, like what, what is that? So it, it is a, it's a home. Okay. It's a home and a sanctuary space for folks. Um, so there, so there are a number of land projects that different associated groups of radical fairies manage ar- around the world. And I think it's like fair, radicalfairies.org or something. You can like find okay. them all. But it's people that live there. You know, they grow food and, you know, they have animals and, you know, they are tending and keeping space and keeping sacred space for queers and radical folks to be able to commune with nature and to commune with each other in a space that is sort of outside of the normal paradigm. Um, I really have appreciated my time there. Okay. And that's in Oregon. So are there sanctuaries in like California? There is there. I don't know if it would be an actual considered a sanctuary, but I know there are some gathering spaces in California, so like uh, the Groundswell Institute is one of those gathering spaces. I don't. Um, and where's that at? That is, oh gosh, where was it? It's um, it's in the North Bay. I think it's like about an hour, two hours outside of San Francisco, near um, near Boonville. In what is that town? I'm blanking on what the town is, but it, it's a beautiful drive. It's in the country. Okay. Um, you find some really nice people there. Um, there is Short Mountain in Tennessee. There's Zuni Mountain Sanctuary in New Mexico. Um, there's a, I guess there's a Radical Fairy Sanctuary in Australia and one in France. I've never been there. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're all over <laughs> all the place. Right. They're just, they, the kids I mean, are doing big things. That's actually really good to know. I didn't yeah. know. I've never really thought about there being radical fairies outside of the United States. Oh yeah. I mean, oh yeah. Right. And so these these sanctuaries, so are do people have to like be a radical fairy before you go there or do you go there to become one or like how does that I think well to be a radical fairy I think is really more of a self designation. Like there's no oh, like, okay. there's, there's no, no like uh, ritual or a okay. license or a, you sign up for a <laughs> right. mailing list or so I think people are curious about yeah, it. They're like, no. how do I sign up to be a radical fairy? Well I think um what well, I think you probably want to well what I would really recommend, you know, is that you start by reading some really sort of essential fairy literature by Harry Hay. You know, the, he's the founder of the radical fairy movement. What's his um, name? Harry, Harry Hay? Hay. Okay. H-A-Y? Is it H-A-Y or H-A-Y-E? Okay. Um, okay. But I would Just start, in case anyone wants to, like, read up. Yeah, I would start with that. Um, it'll okay. give you... Cause from what I re- what I know of him, I don't know a lot. I've read a little bit of his stuff, but I know that he was an early like gay rights activist, very radical. Was very very much not about gay people or queer folks being you know just like the heteronormative like people. He didn't want us getting married and join the military or any of okay. those things. And part of his philosophy that I remember was that you know our queerness is is part of what makes us special. Um, and I really resonated with that. And then I was wondering also, so um, these sanctuaries, um, are they, 
like do uh, people live there or is it a place that you oh, yeah. go okay no, so, no, it's, so it's, it's a, a place where you're like I'm going people, to live and what uh, I'm going I, to go and uh, you I don't you couldn't just say well wake up and I'm going to go live there there's a process right okay. you, there are there are organizational bodies because like with any sort of like piece of land or you know land project you do have to have organization you do have to like manage resources and time so it's not right. like the type of place where people could just go I'm going to go escape from mainstream society. I'm just gonna go drop in. And no, okay. that's not it. I know there's lots of folks that have tried or done it in the past and that's really not what it's for. Mm -hmm. um, it's a. It's not just, if you, at least for me, like maybe somebody else has a different experience but that's not what I've ever known those okay. spaces to be for. But if you are the type of person who, do, who does really want to have a lived experience that is outside of the normal paradigm where you are, you know, living in community with other people, queer people, radical people, if you are living in a space where you are, you know, managing your resources in a very different way, sort of removed from like mainstream capitalism, where you're out there on the land, working the land, tending it, you know, doing things like you'll have to do things like you have to do brush clearing and forest maintenance, and you have to do things like you have to like plow and plant and grow and maintenance and you have to fix the roof and fix the barn and fix the plumbing like if you want to have that sort of homesteading life and you're ready to contribute to that um i think that's it may be a great opportunity for you it's uh, i mean i i've always one of the things i loved about going out to those spaces is being having the opportunity to be in nature mm -hmm. in a very like deep feeling deep old nature mm -hmm. and you know i think you know, contributing to uh, a living, breathing community that is nurturing the community outside of it and having access to that is a great exchange. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I can see how that would be so attractive to people, mm -hmm. you know, where, especially queer people who maybe feel like, you know, they've grown up and never felt like they fit in or never belonged anywhere. And, uh, you know, these are people that are not out to make money and, you know, they just want to be with their own people and maybe they already love nature or, you know, they want to just kind of unplug and just yeah. kind of get away yeah. and be amongst people and, you know. I think one of, the, one, of the, one of the tough pieces, though, with that is, you know, within community spaces is, you know, you have to learn new tools for communication and you have to be with yourself and with other people in a different way. I think um, a lot of times we go into spaces and we bring our conditioning with us, right? Like we bring our sort of uh, pretty much our dysfunctional family dynamics to right. situations like that. And, you know, that's the thing that's not your family of origin. So you need to work on yourself and do things a little bit differently if you're really going to to invest in a community space because yeah, there is opportunity, there's love and care and love allows people to crack open and have their space and their feelings and everything. But it's also, you have to care about other people there and you have mm -hmm. to push yourself and develop other skills because it's not easy living in community. Like it's like, I live with my husband, that's tough enough. I couldn't imagine living with like 10 to 12 other individuals that are very different from me and trying to manage it. And if you have a skill set like that, more power to you. Mm-hmm. I love that. And so what I think from what I've heard, also one of the other kind of designations is that you kind of create another name for yourself. And mm -hmm. so for you, 
can you tell people like what your name is and why you chose that name? Oh, uh, my 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 chosen name within community is uh, Oberon. Uh, I chose that name because at the time I didn't know anything about sort of the fairy lore that the you know the fairy kids that I knew were sort of involved in. Mm -hmm. um, and Oberon was the only fairy I knew from mid. Uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, Oberon, King of the Fairies, and Shakespeare. It's the only one. So I was like, that works. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, because I met kids and they had really cool names like Spiral and Maypop and Arcana and stuff. And I was like, ah, I don't know. Because I didn't really feel <laughs> like, I didn't have anything like that just like exploded out. Right. And it was the one that I was like, I like that name. I was like, that one works. I love that. Yeah. And so for you, um, so, so I know with this kind of non-conformist garb that a lot of fairies wear, mm -hmm. is that something that they, do you feel like um, they kind of take on that persona all of the time? Or is I it just kind of when you're in spaces like think Wolf Creek? or that, Well, I know that, um, you know, when you're in, you know, ritual spaces, um holidays things like that it is you know it's nice to wear your ritual garb um and i just think that creative people i think that a lot of people that are drawn to sort of like the the radical fairies and you know adjacent communities around it i think they tend to be creative people um and somewhat nonconformist to begin with like i i i i don't i i don't think that you just sort of you wake up and you're like ah I've now got this really cool, like, patchwork vest with a feather hat, <laughs> like, above it. I mean, maybe you do, but I feel like to have that much, that much, like, gear, you'd have to collect it for a while. So I feel like mm -hmm. people are just, they're already creative, and they sort of meet the community. They're like, oh, I totally, like, vibe with all these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I guess I never... Um, wanted to, I never really clarified I said like how you got into it like did you know someone in oh, there so how did you find out about it and so um yeah my um how I how I met the fairies was I was I was actually living in Sacramento and I went to <laughs> I went to this rave <laughs> out in uh Mount Shasta it was called what was it the Shasta Gathering it must have been like 2003 or 2004 and I was there with some friends. I worked at the SAC Co-op at the time. And I was there okay. with some really great friends um, that we drove up there with. And then I met this I met this kid, which was sort of awkward because I was I didn't know who they were and they just sort of were like really friendly with me and I was not featuring it. I was like, mm -hmm. I have no idea who you are. Why are you talking to me like we're friends? Mm -hmm. You know, because right. I'm like, I don't know you. Right. Um but we end up like talking like the next day and we end up making friends and you know we just, it was one of those things where it just sort of it just sort of happened and he was uh his name is crescent um he's since passed on um but when i met him he was just like a really genuine person mm -hmm. you know he was totally trying to hook up with my girlfriend that was like mm -hmm. there. so that's what I think that was why I was like I don't know if I want to talk to you because I think you're trying to talk to me because you just want to like hook up with my girlfriend right that I'm here with 
But right. he, I mean, of course he did. She's gorgeous. Like who didn't want to? I mean, I wanted to. Everybody, she's gorgeous. Right. Um, but we end up making really good friends, and then a couple. He actually ended up coming to Sacramento because I was preparing to move to Portland, mm-hmm. and he, him and his girlfriend at the time. Uh, Brandy, the one that the brave one mm-hmm. that saved us, um, actually came and stayed in Sacramento with us and helped us with our move. We moved to Portland. Oh, okay. It was sort of a, a twofer. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I love that. So, Do you know in Sacramento, is there like a radical fairy group that like people hang out or is there any kind of any? A Facebook group. Sacramento Fairies. Is there? Okay. Yeah, they have a, fa- a they have a Facebook group. Um, I don't know if there's any like thing. I well, part of it is also I'm I'm in that phase of life where I'm kind of like I'm a fairy elder, right? right. So I'm sort of remo- I'm a little bit removed from what is really happening because I'm a little bit older and I have different sort of time restraints, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm working and going to school and I got a husband and. I have a lot of other stuff going on. So right. I know that the people are here. I do. I know they're here. Mm-hmm. I still know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's good to know if anyone's kind of interested in learning or talking to fairies mm-hmm. or, you know, learning more about Facebook it. Facebook is a really good resource. There's a lot okay. of uh, fairy groups on Facebook. And I think it is one of those things that is it's regional too like um i think that's one of the things i really appreciate about sort of the movement and i know it really started off as a movement really focused around gay male sexuality and spirituality but it has provided a catalyst for all sorts of other people to start to gather together and to experience things that people really should be able to experience Mm -hmm. um and and it's regional so there's people probably in your community go on facebook i'm sure you can find one in, at least in your state mm-hmm. you know because there's groups of folks and you know they're like the pot smoking drum circle kind of people mm-hmm. which is always nice <laughs> right. to be around right you know okay yeah yeah that's good to know yeah yeah i'm not i i just so, so i love this because i i didn't know all these things yeah, like yeah. how you got into it and just, yeah i just sort I mean, of met the kids one day when i was running from a man with a gun and a hammer and, uh, uh, in Oregon. In Oregon. Oof. <laughs> that shit. just sounds... Um, <laughs> shit was fucked up. Uh, yes. <laughs> now you work at One Community House. Mm-hmm. And so... So I was thinking also, I mean, one of the reasons why I love... And I wanted to be a patient at One Community House mm-hmm. is that I really want to support that health facility and, mm-hmm. like, what they're doing. And so uh, I'm wondering also kind of... Uh, like in terms of going into like a larger conversation about Mm -hmm. HIV and AIDS Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and because of what you do, especially, you know, maybe dealing with uh, numbers and supervising people. And are you finding generally like, what is the kind of general state of the, um, like transmission of AIDS or like, or the, uh, like new cases? New cases? Yeah. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is currently most of the new cases are um, young, black, um, gay men, and trans girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and that those, that's who is being infected at a very high rate right now. Mm-hmm. And we're really trying to, and when I say we, it's not just me like on a personal level, but there's a lot of minds trying to really figure out what are the ways that we need to engage with in a community, 
black community in order to provide you know resources education prevention to sort of to stop this because infection rates kind of plateaued like prep is out the infection rates are going down in some areas but they're they're still happening in others mm -hmm. um so there's a those are the populations of people that are really showing the high rates of infection right now and it's really sad because a lot of them are really are young people too mm -hmm. right and so yeah you know there's a lot of things that impact that like youth homelessness not having necessarily a supportive family you know survival sex you know, all those things really impact those issues for those for those young people and yeah. anyone. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to ask about that. Like, wh what are kind of the reasons that you think that are causing that particular demographic to have a uh, spike? I mean, so I am not an epidemiologist, and I don't have like a lot of data. But anecdotally, just sort of what I'm I'm seeing or what I have seen is folks that are living with lots of instabilities right you don't necessarily they don't necessarily have maybe have a safe place to stay or they are in some type of relationship that is not equitable so i have you know young people that are being taken advantage of by someone that is older maybe because they have resources or they provide you know an emotional connection um mm -hmm. so I think that is that is definitely part of it because some of the areas we can really have a have an impact in like harm reduction services and needle exchange like that like that those systems work right mm -hmm. and yeah. they're accessible to people so I'm, I don't know if the I would like to see some more data and if anyone out there has any sort of like current research that they'd like to share like I would love to hear it and like are these new transmissions like what is the rate of new transmission that is actually related to intravenous drug use and how is that being you know managed by needle exchange and because i think we have a, that really well mm -hmm. and there's prep and there's lots of things out there for people to prevent hiv but yeah it's still happening and it'll be great when we can finally figure out how to how to like stop it yeah and so wrapping up if there are people who are interested in kind of learning more about kind of the services in one community health or more specifically about needing or wanting an hiv test or learning mm -hmm. more about prep maybe they don't know anything about it like mm -hmm. where where should they go and how like it, like is there a specific place in the building they should go or where so how do they so go any, about doing so this? If people are interested in PrEP, um, you can, if you, you talk to your primary care provider, there you really, at this point in sort of the conversation with CDC guidelines, there is not, there isn't, um, at least I don't feel there's a good reason for any primary care provider to not know what PrEP is. And PrEP isn't just for men who are having sex with men it is appropriate for anyone who is having sex and that may be at risk for contracting hiv and the truth is any of us who are having sex could potentially become infected with hiv so um you know your primary i would start with your primary care provider if you have the type of provider that you that doesn't respond well to your request for support and health care around your sexual health needs it may be you may want to look for someone else or look for a different resource i know that that is a service that our organization provides is that 
we do have some systems in place for folks that maybe have a primary care provider that they isn't sort of awake and aware and providing that and they can come to us the best way is just to call um to call and set up your appointment mm -hmm. um you can go to the website um yeah that's really the best way but there's other resources too mm -hmm. so primary care provider is the best one because you want to be monitored for that because you know it is a uh, medications for prep are strong medications you need to monitor you have health maintenance and monitoring monitor your kidney function liver function and it only protects you from contracting hiv it doesn't do anything for chlamydia gonorrhea syphilis any of the other stds so you still have to get screened for other stds treated for other stds and you know the recommendation is i know lots of folks you know are like i, I don't I, I i thought this was going to protect me from all of this and i'm like i'm here to tell you that it only works for HIV, that's it. Everything else you still have to manage. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you just call. Um, other places around, I believe like a gender health center, I believe they have a prep navigator here in Sacramento. I believe Planned Parenthood does as well. There's a, um, I think you can go online and like uh, look up get, I think it's like get prep or pre prep, prepme.com. I think that is it. And it'll show you the providers in the area that are providing a prep services. Okay. Yeah. And if someone doesn't have access to like the internet or to a phone, can they just walk in? Yeah, just walk on in. Just like into the front desk and say, mm -hmm. hey, I would like to get on prep. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. That would can be. I talk to somebody? Yes. Okay. That's, and we can totally, <coughs> we can totally do that. Yeah. Someone could just walk in from there and go to the front counter and say, hey, um, I am interested in starting prep. What is the process? And the process would start, um, would probably start, you would probably see someone in eligibility and the first appointment you would have would be, you might actually see someone in my clinic with my team, um, in the health education team that does all the uh, t uh, outreach and the testing and the health education piece and stuff. So yeah, you can just walk in. That's okay. probably what we do. Yeah. Great. Okay. Come on down. And then also, so One Community Health, of course, has a variety of services. Mm -hmm. um, can you give us just kind of a kind of general list of like the main services that we provide outside of HIV testing? And so um, medical and it, within our medical practice, we have podiatry, pediatrics, optometry, dental, and then we have uh, behavioral health and psych services, alcohol and drug uh, treatment services as well. Uh, we have a chiropractor. Um, we have acupuncturists, and we started. We have a um, medi what mat medication assisted treatment, which is a, a treatment service for people that are living with opiate addiction or and need pain management to help them get off the opiates. Um, so we have that service as well. Uh, which okay. I, we have a dietitian and we have like cooking classes and we have uh, special programs for helping people to manage their like high blood pressure and diabetes and things like that. Because we, one of the goals with the um, sort of business model change was the idea of more like whole person care. 
um, because, and, and this is one thing I can definitely say I did agree with when we were talking, when the conversation was happening about the business model change was that, you know, the face of HIV and AIDS has definitely changed. And so now what we're needing to do is we are here to care for our patients in the long term. You know, our patients who, you know, they may be HIV positive, but we also have to talk to them about their blood pressure. Um, there was, I was at the National Transgender Health Summit um, back in 2017, and one of the speakers, she said something that was really amazing, and I can't remember her name, but she was this amazing woman, and she's like, I'm 50 years old. I don't need you to talk to me about my hormones or this or that or the other. I need you to talk to me about my blood pressure and my my high my high sugar and stuff like that and i was like she's fucking right like we get mm -hmm. so fixated on people in these narrow narrow views like we're just going to deal with your hiv or we're just going to focus on your 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 uh, gender care that we forget that this person is a whole person dealing with all sorts of other health conditions so you know that's one thing i think is that we are that I like the goal of is like really wanting to care for the whole person, um, no matter what they're living with or or managing or caring for or doing. I love that. Yeah. And so, if anyone has any questions for you specifically, would you mind having um, putting any information in the show notes for them to contact you? Yeah. So. Um, uh yeah actually you know what i think for the show notes i think if you wanted to contact me uh through through my business the best way is just to call mm -hmm. um i would just call the call center and you can find the um the telephone number at onecommunityhealth.com if you'd like to contact me for um personal directly uh, my email address is probably the best mm -hmm. which is lawrence.a.lowry at gmail.com so l-a-w-r-e-n-c-e dot a dot lowry l-o-w-e-r-y at gmail.com um that's probably the best way um yeah Okay. Yeah, and because you, people may also have questions about you know the radical fairy idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you if know. you if you do if you have listened to this podcast and you do email me, could, uh, I would uh, ask that you reference the podcast so I don't think you're just like spam and delete, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, because we're so quick to do I that. Said, I'm it's like, like mm, I don't know you. Right. I'm not trying to get no viruses on my computer. N Click. No, not mm. today, Satan. Boom, no. boom, you're gone. Right. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, this was fun. Yeah, this was yeah. fun. Yeah. 